you can't really comment on it because you're not an American. Yeah, but I... I know you like, don't do it in Canada. I am a white guy, so I can just make claims about other people <laughs> around the world. <laughs> Typically, our format is to find facts that are fun and share them with you. When the pandemic hit, we didn't want to do COVID facts because COVID is not fun. The show is called Fun Fact. This month, though, the not fun thing is different. Centuries of racism and violence. That not fun thing has been going on for all of the previous months, too. But it seems this month is a great time to specifically cover a couple facts that touch on the topic of race. As a European Canadian, this isn't exactly something I'm particularly qualified to talk about. But my sense is that we're all better off doing our best to try and talk about it. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I think it's important to remember, Alan, that uh, not all fun facts are fun. Not all fun facts are fun. We have in the past had pretty non-fun fun facts. Yeah, yeah. But we, we sometimes feel like, you know, this fact is worth sharing. Maybe we can find some fun around the fact. Yeah. We. So, yeah, you, as you mentioned, European-Canadian, and I'm a Middle Eastern American. And uh, so, you know, neither of us are in the population group most affected, targeted by racism in the United States, which would be black Americans. But first of all, as a Middle Eastern American and a Jewish American, I have been the subject of enough of my own incidents. And anyway, we all should be using any voice we have right now to support an end to these horrific acts of violence and oppression. Yeah, specifically the oppression acts of violence. Uh, specifically the oppression <laughs> acts of violence. Not not to like overly like be super, you know, hitting you over the head with the political opinions of the show, but the acts of violence of like, oh, you know, some property has been damaged is not the act of violence that we're concerned. No, about. Yeah, yeah, that's not the acts of violence we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about acts of no. racist violence from the systems built up in yeah. the United States. People being murdered. Yeah, that's yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. And in Canada, mur murdering indigenous people is a huge uh, thing as well. So it's not just a... Uh, you know, obviously we each have our own perspectives on it. So for sure. And I think it's important to remember that injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. Yes. <laughs> so with that in mind, we have a couple of facts. So we have a couple of facts. We're going to yeah. tee you up yeah. first. Yeah. yeah. So fun fact, whiteness is entirely a social construct whose definition changes constantly. Whiteness is fake. Is that what you're telling it's me? It's worse than just fake. So the, the, it's important to understand the history, I think, to to understand, you know, where we are today. And, and as everyone who's listened to any other episode of the show knows, understanding the history is something I'm very passionate about. History, etymology, <laughs> yeah, it's, misunderstandings about the previous yeah, etymology. Yeah. So the, all of this is right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. So it, the, the thing, what, what I don't think a lot of people realize is that the concept of whiteness is a modern one. How How modern? It basically didn't exist at all until the 17th century. Oh, okay. And and it didn't get widespread acceptance until the 19th century. So even with like hundreds of years of even like slavery and and people of varying uh, origins living amongst one another, the concept of whiteness, it was still people, I guess, identified more as their country of origin. Well, so that. yeah, let's get into that. So prior to the the prior to the invention of whiteness it was entirely concepts like nationality place of origin ethnicity and tribal identity that were used typically to classify people so where you were from what tribe you were from 
where you were literally living or coming from, what ethnicity you were, those were the ways that people were divided. And this level of this race idea uh, was created mainly to justify slavery and the colonization of the Americas, specifically African slavery. Uh, and sure. and the co- as, a, as a tool to be able to say these people are this race and we're not that we're this other race and so therefore it's okay for us to do this exactly so it was the invention of europeans to define themselves specifically as superior to everyone else right it has never had any fixed meaning it it differs wildly between countries and even in this country the united states and i assume i believe the same thing is true in canada it has changed definitions many many times and over the years a lot of different groups have been deemed either white or not white there have even been multiple levels inside white includes ideas like the supposed primacy of saxons over celts or the nazis nordicism which classified the slavs so eastern europeans as an inferior white race so they didn't really count by the definition which they're continually revising to fit their own needs exactly so the basis of all of this, I see, like you see this in like older fiction, where uh, I mean, not just in fiction, in the fact as well, but like in co- like historical context, where like people will be contrasting uh, Italian people or Irish people. Even yeah. it's like, well, you know, only, white people only know Irish, right? So we're, and then it's like <laughs> to a modern definition that sounds so ridiculous. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Italians and the Irish for sure. Okay, I'm getting too ahead of myself. It's okay. It, it so. All of this has as its basis the concept of something called scientific racism. That's the actual mm-hmm. name of the field, which was... Wait, they called themselves that? Yeah, they called themselves that, which was a common idea until the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. So just to understand how incredibly flimsy this idea of race is in general, we should talk about the history of this scientific racism. So there are there's an endless amount of this, but I just picked out sort of the some of the, the big hits, we'll say. Sure. It, so in 1758, a Swede named Carl Linnaeus proposed what he considered to be the natural categories of the human species, and he distinguished between four geographical subdivisions of humans, white Europeans, red Americans, yellow Asians, and black Africans. Yeah, okay. And his description of these groups included his his beliefs about what their cultural patterns were and many, many derogatory stereotypes. So, for example, he said that Europeans were gentle, inventive, and governed by laws, while Asians were greedy and ruled by opinions, and Africans were... Governed by laws. Yeah. It was like a biological trait. Yeah, yeah, totally. And Africans were lazy, cunning, lustful, and careless. Mm -hmm. Uh, Among other fun scientific racist beliefs was the theory that black people were actually suffering from a hereditary skin disease, that they were actually white people underneath who just had this disease, and should therefore not be treated too badly, but definitely shouldn't be intermarried with for fear of spreading the disease the disease of having a darker skin color. right i mean that is so horrible if it wasn't for the thing you said before that was even <laughs> substantially more horrible yeah then i would be more shocked totally so, so eventually we get to craniometry have you heard of that this is this thing of like if you it's actually the differences of brain size or shape that make uh european people superior well, it's not even the brain size. It's the size of the inside of your skull. Uh, okay. Like this, the, all right. So the idea here was that the larger your head was, the smarter you were. 
which I you can see like somebody who hadn't like actually done any evaluation might be like, okay, a brain is what you makes you smart. And so if you have a bigger brain, then maybe bigger head smarter. to fill a bigger brain. Right. Europeans, shockingly, yeah. I'm sure you're shocked here, supposedly had the largest heads. Uh, mm. a, another version of craniometry measured the angle between like like the forehead and the and the chin, I think it was, and compared it to the ideal, which was Greco-Roman statues. And the closer you were to that angle. Right. Because we know how smart they are. Right. They were the best, obviously. So the closer you were to that angle and Europeans, again, shockingly, were the closest to statues built by other Europeans. So uh, incredible, mm-hmm. incredible. So yes, what so, a coincidence. All of this would just be awful uh, and and incredibly offensive. But, Even just to have the theory. Yeah, like just the to have the theory. existing itself is bad. Right. But scientific racism was used as a justification for slavery in the United States by promoting the idea that African men were more primitive or didn't feel true pain and suffering. Uh, scientific racism was also used as the basis for the Emergency Quota Act of 1921 and the Immigration Act of 1924, which banned all immigration from Asia and severely limited Im- immigration for Eastern European Jews, Greeks, Poles, and Italians. And, and this is very much like one of those, we have a policy that we would like to enact. Please invent a scientific theory they can justify like a backwards <laughs> pretty like, much like, yeah so so i want to talk because you mentioned earlier the irish and the italians right yes so the two most commonly mentioned groups that you hear about today in the united states at least that are now considered white but previously weren't are the italians and the irish right sure so the italians are from the literal center of of europe right they are the descendants of the romans mm-hmm. right they they were europe right yeah and, and the irish uh, are some of the most stereotypically pale people on the planet. Mm-hmm. So if there was a time when both of those groups weren't white, then there can be no definition of whiteness that relies on either being European or being pale skinned. Yeah, that's good. A plus logic in my Thank you. estimation. So various people have sued the U.S. government and have been declared white or not white, uh, primarily why? for immigration purposes. Oh, because they had a law that said white people, blah, 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 blah. And right. then they, someone's telling them, no, I'm no, you're not white. That's and they're right. saying, OK, I'll see you in court. Right. And now the court has to rule on whether or not someone is white. Exactly. So the, the Immigration Act of 1790, right at the beginning of the founding of the country, what offered mm-hmm. the possibility of naturalization as a citizen only to, and I quote, any alien being a free white person. So various okay. groups, as you said, sued to be considered white legally so that they could achieve citizenship. Right. So for some examples. So in 1923, the Supreme Court decided that people of Indian descent were not white and thus not eligible for citizenship, even though the claimant claimed that he was white because he was an Aryan. Well, I mean, yeah, OK. They said that. I, I, uh, yeah. I mean, just the amount of fucked up stuff going on here makes it hard for me to come up with a flipping comment. I'm like, I'm used to just being like, normally you'll be making telling a historical story. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I would do, too. Or, oh, man, you got to watch out for those, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then now I'm just my default reaction is just like, uh, uh, like pained, suff- like the suffering and... Right. It, like indignity in like a way that I have a physical manifestation, manifestation of. But sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's answer a, a quip here. Completely responsible, reasonable response. So their 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 decision in this case, quote unquote, the, they said the word Aryan quote has to do with linguistic and not at all with physical characteristics. And quote, the average man knows perfectly well that there are unmistakable and pro- profound differences between Indians and white people. 
This is a, this is like a judge ruling that in the 1920s. It's the Supreme Court. The difference yeah. is the Supreme Court ruling, like in in the last hundred years, yeah, if barely, barely. Um, that there are profound differences. Right. In so between. in 1925, an Armenian man successfully argued that he was white. In contrast to other people of the Near East, specifically in his case, the Kurds, the Turks, and the Arabs, because he was Christian. Oh, God. (laughs) It's unraveling. (laughs) Uh In conflicting rulings in 1942 and 1944, two different levels of the United States District Courts decided that Arabs both were and were not white. So two different judges. One says Arabs are white. The other says Arabs are not white. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Oklahoma during Jim Crow, you know what Jim Crow is? The, it was the, the... Yes. Yeah. So it's the blanket term we use for the segregation laws against African-Americans and anyone deemed to be yeah. adjacent to African-Americans in the South. Native Americans in Oklahoma during Jim Crow were legally defined as white. Because they were trying to like segregate out black people. And so if you weren't black, you were white. And therefore, they were white by that. Yeah. Rule, yeah. Basically. Pretty Basically, yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, even Finnish people at one point in time and in one part of the United States were not seen as white. They were seen as Asian. And and the reasons was that they were theoretically of Mongolian origin uh, and that the Finnish language was not Indo-European. Are, like, not that this matters because they're obviously all <laughs> super fucked up anyway. But like, are Finnish people predominantly of Mongolian descent? I don't, I don't believe Is so. Is that even no. true? No, I don't think so. Okay. Because if it was, it wouldn't matter, and this is no, all it would still be offensive, anyway. but it would but be like differently offensive, I guess. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, by the way, I'm still really stuck on this Christian one because, like, yeah. at that point, when you're like, "What does white mean?" People who remind me of myself. Yes. But then that's when you're really getting into. You're not even trying to pretend that there's a scientific basis behind this anymore. Right. So everything I've said so far has been facts. And, and I could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on, and I will include in the show notes uh, links to the histories, uh, history of scientific racism, where I picked two or three of like 50 examples of awful, awful people with awful beliefs. I could, uh, we could talk about the uh, history of, of race in, in South and Central America, which could be its whole own fact, where they had um, this idea of purity of blood and, and, and um, black people, mestizo, you know, uh, Indian Jewish people were all considered not pure and therefore not eligible for privilege. And then they had an extremely complicated system of of um, people who were mixed race of like exactly which like whether it was one grandparent or another grandparent or which parent. And there were terms for all of this and which one you were got you access to more and more and more privilege as you legal things. Yeah. As you got closer to, you know, and we could go around the world and, you know, um, talk about various countries and their 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 their. Uh, modern and previous beliefs, all of which very wildly, although I will say that uh, the obsession with whiteness tends to be predominantly an issue in places of Anglo origin. So the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, uh, uh, in amongst, you know, uh, white South Africans and um, uh, those types of places. But I want, I would like to, with your leave, I would like to leave the realm of fun facts and transition to or facts, I guess these are not at all fun, but uh, uh, I'm tied to terrible too, too, facts. Yeah, too tied into the format of the show. But transition from facts to some opinions, conclusions, yeah. drawn conclusions, we'll say. So if we take everything I said, then whiteness is therefore not a consistent or coherent identity. It's an exclusivity club. It's like defined by who is out of it. 
That's right. The meaning has shifted over time in order to allow or deny access to privilege. Right. It has only ever existed to justify and support various levels of oppression. It doesn't have any other meaning. Or perhaps to document like privilege that is that has come to be by sort of passing as part of the privilege group. Right. You either it's a it's an in crowd ticket. It's a a ticket to privilege. So it's but it's also what is considered to be normal in the United States. And it's the default. Yeah. White Americans are just Americans. They're the default. If the story is about a white American, you don't have to say the race of the person. If, you know, every other group is hyphenated. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. An, an Indian American. Right. An Indian American, an African American. Achieved this, did this, whatever. Yeah. We, but in, it doesn't say. I don't know about in Canada. A white American did that. But in the United States, there's an ethnic food aisle in pretty much every grocery store. Do you have that? Yeah. It's, so, yes. If you go into these grocery store aisles, they contain typically, in my experience, Asian American, Hispanic American, Jewish American food. So what I want to know is, what is the food in the rest of the grocery store? Yeah, exactly. Where the food is, it's like food that has passed into the mainstream yeah. white umbrella yeah, exactly. or whatever. Whose food like, is that? <laughs> I get annoyed now to be in Save On Foods of Vancouver, Canada's defense in that aisle is a British food. Oh, wow. Okay. And there's some pretty weird British food in there. Okay. Yeah. That seems um, like a, a Vancouver it, thing to do. Yeah, for sure. That aisle annoys me because right now with like the rules around, you're not supposed to pass people and you're supposed to all go in one direction in the aisle. Mm. And the, everyone who goes in that aisle is like reading from a grocery list of everyone in their family. And often <laughs> there's things in that aisle that they're less familiar with. Uh. And I'm coming down the aisle and like, I know what I want. I want these specific <laughs> things. And often I have a few things in that aisle that I want. Yeah. Right. And I'm also kind of annoyed. Like, why is the good ramen in this aisle and the crappy ramen is in with the <laughs> pasta? Right. Like, just put all the ramen together. Because everyone should just be buying the good ramen anyway. Why do you hide? Anyway, so I'm waiting for the good ramen, and yeah. there's like three people all looking at their list, clogging the aisle. <laughs> I, I'm annoyed at that aisle sure. in a variety of ways. Yeah, not just they, for its, yeah. you know, uh, dividing us into into groups on on you know, into accepted basis. and not accepted yeah. food. Yeah. So yeah. so here's here's the here's the big idea here. Mm -hmm. The USA is almost entirely a nation of immigrants. Yes. Other than the Native Americans, everybody else either came or was brought here. Yes. My point is, either we should all have hyphens or none of us should. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Mm hmm. Like, like as in people shouldn't be allowed to self-identify with the hyphen or that we shouldn't be going around, like, making a point of the hyphen that people come from. Well, it, you could go. we're ascribing to people. You could go in different directions with it, but I think that as long as everyone else is being referred to by a hyphen, then I think Americans of European descent should be too. I mean, I agree with that in context where everyone is being referred to with a hyphen. Like, I mean, that kind of goes into this topic that people are talking a lot about this month, where uh, like white privilege is not something that a lot of white people have to deal with the fact that they have it and they like to sort of argue just a lot of white people are very uncomfortable about their whiteness and the the privilege is associated with it because it's not something that they've intentionally adopted and so they feel like they are not responsible for it and and they're often not confronted with it and so if you if every time somebody referenced white canadian alan pike then eventually maybe it would absorb oh like maybe on a deeper level or at least and other people like me would absorb on a deeper level that privilege as opposed to it being something that we're only very occasionally caught forced to think about. 
I suspect you're not actually strongly advocating that we all refer to each other in all contexts as Middle Eastern American Arik. <laughs> no, no, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not. But I, w- I would say that I don't think every group should get to define their name for themselves. So if, mm-hmm. if, if, if you wanted to be a white Canadian as your hyphenated name and you don't, you know, that's fine. But I would suggest that every other group is referred to by a origin that they may or may not have a nebulous connection to. Right. Like you might be a fifth generation uh, Asian American who has never lived in Asia, does not speak an Asian language, you know, maybe doesn't even you doesn't know much about the food, whatever, whatever. And you still are always going to be referred to as an Asian American, therefore highlighting where you the idea that you came from somewhere. Right. Not that you're here. So in that context, I think referring to people as European Americans or European Canadians it kind of accomplishes the the goal of pointing out like that's ridiculous. Well, like I don't, I mean, maybe this is my perspective as somebody who grew, grew up in a city where there's more people of Asian descent than of, of British or of European, Western European descent. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I would never refer to somebody who I like, I looked at them and I could see to my eye, it seemed like they were of Asian descent I would never refer to them as an Asian Canadian because they seemed to me to look like they were of Asian descent. Like I wouldn't like I would never refer to them that way. Right. So this is where Canada is better than the United States. Well, I would assume that. But well, <laughs> no, well, no, it okay. happens I mean, all the time. I'm going to accept a Canada is better than the United States. <laughs> but like, is that do you think that's a lot of people are going around like tr- like talking to people and just like, oh, hey, as an Asian American a, a, a label I've just put on you of my own volition with no input from you based on the way you look. How do you feel about this topic? Like, oh, is yeah, that constantly. something that's coming up a lot? Constantly. People will use that phrase like an Asian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, that... I can see, I can see like in a, in the news, like if you look at the uh, AP style guidelines for like yeah. news writing or whatever, they'll talk about how using somebody's race is, or like referring to their ethnic background or whatever you want to, proper way to refer to it is something that is to be done only when it's relevant so when it's like um especially right now it's like a white police officer uh killed a black man in this city right now like those modifiers are relevant oh yeah yeah, yeah. for sure for sure yeah if it's not relevant then don't add it if it's just like right that's uh, the idea armenian american man uh just like shopping yeah and it's like no he shopped or he yes. answered the survey on the corner yes. like what is that has nothing to do with anything yes. so don't include it no that's and like that's the ideal but that's not what actually happens because the things that happen in this country all the time are that someone will say to someone you know for example oh well where are you from and they say i am from texas and then it's like no but where are you like from you know where are yeah, you like, where are you really where are you from? really from no like where are you from right though? and no one ever asks a european american that not ever but right? is like is it is that controversial? Like, is there anyone who's arguing like, no, 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 it's OK to aggressively insist that somebody is from somewhere that's not where they were born? No, I don't. No, 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 I don't. I, no, 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 no. I don't think anyone's defending it. I'm sure someone's defending it, but nobody I want to well, talk okay, to. Yes, but, nobody that were. But what I'm trying to say is that I think that the if your character in your story is of European descent, you do not need to say that. That is what everyone will assume because European Americans are what is considered the default in this country. If your character is anything other than European American, you have to specifically say that or when or when it is revealed, people reading the story will be like, wait, what? They're 
X, Y, or Z. What? <laughs> Have you read the Hunger Games? <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I've seen the movies. Why is that? Is that a thing? So there? there's a there's a girl in the Hunger Games that is. I feel like maybe we've even talked about this before. There's so Hunger Games is the um like there's quite a few characters in in that book but one of the characters is this younger girl who is kind of a younger sister sort of figure to the main character that uh, she sort of protects and keeps safe and she's like kind of yeah and innocent in the movie she's and, a she's black right yeah and in the book she's black too okay. and they mentioned that and it went into my brain like they didn't mention oh and this person is white and this person is white and this person right. is white Right to your point, like the the the, the quote unquote white default was in effect in the, in my mind. I was imagining everyone to look not like me, but like what the dominant cultural assumption is that we have in yeah. American culture, right? But they did mention, but maybe only once or twice in the book, that this girl was black yeah. and she was this like kind of key point and like emotional. You get this this emotional connection to her as this sort of angelic sort of character. Uh-huh. And then when the movie came out and then she was black, as described in the book, but that people just didn't necessarily notice because it was... Were people maybe upset? Just, they didn't hit your head. People were so mad. Not oh everyone, obviously. God. But there was a certain perception. Like, I can't believe they would cast this character as black. And, like, it's just not right for the character. And, like, then the way they word it is always so... Yeah, like, th- yeah, so obvious how racist they are. Yeah. It's like, th- like she was so angelic and right. cute, and like yeah. it just like, it doesn't fit for her to. Wow, like, the author would have never meant. And like this is coming from the person writing it doesn't realize that it was written as black, so he didn't realize how racist what the writing is. You yeah. know, the pure racism is just there. Yeah, but that's the thing. I think that's why I think that that removing that anything we can do to to either remove that default from one group or by you know well. Anything we can do to remove that default from one group by either making it explicit for everyone or making it explicit for no one is, in my opinion, something that would help with that. And I just think it's way more likely that we could make it just explicit for everyone because in that case, we only need to do it for one more group. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, you know, like I was saying, I think there's something to be said for having explicitness around, like, taking away that free default that, you know... Uh, that white people in that in-group privilege get of being the default and not having to specify um, or having be specified or having called attention to the privilege that they have. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously in the default or in the, in the like, when you're being following a proper style guide where you can say, okay, if this person was born in this country, just say they're Canadian. You don't have to say that their ancestors, however many generations ago, <laughs> came from this country, obviously, right. or should be considered obvious. But it, I mean, the, I think the like in a novel is a really good example where like you're trying to create the author is trying to create this certain amount of uh, evoke characters in the world in the mind of somebody who has these default prejudices and they take advantage of that to simplify their writing and right. not mention but like by a doing white man that, came along and then another white man did this and then another white person but by doing that they bolster those prejudices yes by making use of it yeah default. they use it for their advantage which is not in i don't believe probably intentionally you know um racist or whatever but it has the unintended consequence of continuing to support this idea that you know that that only one group of people are normal and that everyone else is a minority that segues that makes one of the easiest and consistentest segues which is maybe not entirely surprising because it's sort of a themed episode into my fun fact okay do you want to are you ready for oh yeah yeah so 
fun fact, and this is something kind of also comes out of a common topic on our show, which is emoji. And so I thought it was. <laughs> we do love emoji. Not to trivialize, this is a very serious topic of, of race, obviously. But fun fact, the default emoji color is white. Not as many people would consider, uh, oh, well, they're no, they're yellow. yellow so they're neutral. Yeah, they're the Simpsons no, it's not, there's no There's no race there. They're Simpsons people. Right, which is the worst possible argument against this, as you know. I, completely, because it's very, very clear in The Simpsons what color those people are. Because on The Simpsons, <laughs> the people who aren't white are are brown and other colors. Like, very obviously, <laughs> the white people are yellow and the non-white people are not. Uh, absolutely. So that defense d- falls apart as soon as you even just like glance at it. Yep. Um, or there's like a light gust of wind. And of course the Simpsons has its own racial uh, prejudice and depiction problems as sure. well without getting too much into that right now, although that's also interesting. Um, but this like default, so like history to remind people, it's like five years ago and prior, all the emoji for people, um, there were various like gestures and uh, people in different jobs and things like that were all uh, white or in, I think in some emoji schemes they were yellow and some emoji schemes they had like what most people refer to as like a white skin tone. Um, and then the emoji consortium um, re- quite, quite reasonably took on the work of defining skin tones so that people who did not identify with those emoji could express themselves with emoji that looked more like them. When they did that, the stated intention behind having the yellow default emoji in their words was that there would be a quote-unquote neutral emoji that didn't evoke any particular race. But they reused the same one they'd been failed. using before. Because, <laughs> well, in some some of the schemes, they were using, like, closer to what a white skin tone was. And it's like, no, 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 now there's this neutral emoji that has no, that doesn't evoke any race. And white people were like, oh, yeah, yellow. Yeah, that's no that's particular race. And then people of color, apparently, were like, "You're what the hell are you talking about? This is obviously <laughs> just a white, a different white emoji. Yeah. Um, but a consequence of that is that the default for emoji for like when you install a new phone or whatever, it just auto selects something that like the vast majority of people either consciously or subconsciously would identify uh, as white, which is something that I think people like would, I don't know, it kind of goes back to that thing, like very, very much segues off the thing you were talking about of this default whiteness. If you don't do anything or say anything, the assumption is like, oh, okay, well, we'll give you these emoji that kind of code as white. Uh, and then if you want to like modify it, then you can go out of your way to identify as, you know, person of color or having a darker skin tone or whatever. If the author calls that out, if the emoji picker chooses it. Yeah, that's actually, that's really interesting. Like, do, do we... Do we want a situation where the that where the it's great that the opportunity is there for people of different skin tones to choose those, but where the statement is that you chose one rather than everyone chooses one? Yeah, like me, not like as a uh, Canadian of European descent, I'm not the person who should be voting on this or having a say on it. But my instinct would be that it would be better if like it made you pick one and then it saved that instead of it because like because it gets into this and like i um there's a conversation that you and i had a while ago now that kind of put it on my radar i was like this is a thing actually i should think about instead of just using the default because like when the colors came out when the skin tones came out uh like many white people that like at least care and try to be aware of these issues i was like oh now there's skin tone colors i should pick my color and then immediately i was like well but like i don't want to like 
Like there's a whole bunch of complicated emotions that come out of basically like guilt slash like discomfort with your privilege. Whereas yeah. like if by like then you start asking your questions, it's like would by choosing the white one or like the pale skin tone emoji, am I like lording my whiteness over people like and then also you're very aware that there's people on twitter like white supremacists and stuff they're super excited to use the whitest white emoji <laughs> or like palest emoji and you're like well i don't want to be like them so yeah. and like the extreme example is like the fist emoji when it's yeah. just like yeah we're can we're gonna do this revolution we're all in solidarity and then you're like white fist and then you're like mm, really wrong mm, no, that's really what the feeling I'm kind of go for. And so the the default for the honestly probably majority of white people that don't even think about it is to keep the yellow one. And they're just like, yeah, it's great that other people can have, choose the skin tones. They don't even think about it. And then there's also the like group that is hopefully you know substantial, but you know not necessarily any different is the group of white people that think about it and they actually go through that process and they're like, eh, should I choose one of these skin tone emojis that more matches me? And they're like, eh, maybe I should use it as the default because I don't want to give the wrong message. But then they are still benefiting from that privilege of the default by not having to make any choice, right? As opposed to forcing everyone to make the choice, right? Yeah, there's a lot. There's so many thoughts in here to unpack because like w- once you choose one, all of the others change to that color. So you don't choose per one and you don't choose, you don't have to choose multiple times. Like once you choose one. Yeah. It's it, not like a lot of work for you to, to do it won't, no. just one time. The very first time you choose an emoji, it would be like, Hey, what color what, what do you want to And be? you can change it later if you want. What would be yeah. interesting too is just, if it would show the, because at some point I, um, read what those colors were meant to be. Yeah. So they're based on this this like Fitzpatrick scale. Yeah. Which, which refers to what, ha- it's not a racial scale. Cause as we just talked about, that's made up what it is, is, you know, there's no scientific basis for any of that. So what it is, is a scale based on what happens to your skin in the sun. Right. So, and then, you know, in, in, in my particular case, the emoji color that I use is darker than I often am because but not as dark as i can be or not darker than i can be because it accurately describes what happens to me in the sun which is that i uh tan extremely well and and essentially never burn yeah and they have like type one which is like the palest one is like always burns never yeah, tans, never tans um which is like maybe a lot of like irish and scottish people probably have right. that kind of skin tone um uh and then like type two is like sometimes you tan a little bit i'm type three where i no, if I burn, it's mild and I tan pretty evenly. Yeah, and I'm type still, four. Yeah. And so where you like have a quite a tannable. Yeah. Easily tanned, never rarely burns. And then five is like, doesn't tan, doesn't burn. Right. Yeah. Something. Uh, like and that. then there's one even beyond that or whatever. Oh, okay. But the, the, like, that's a reasonable approach when it's like the unicorn consortium and they're not trying to like make any statement on race relations or trying to make untangle anything yeah. just like pick on a map which country your ancestors <laughs> came from choose all of them we'll mix it together like a color palette you know yeah um and so instead they're just like hey that's nice there's this thing that was actually originally done for like dermatology trying to understand how uv interacts oh, for skin with diseases people. and stuff yeah it was originally for skin oh. uh, treatment and then it was like hey we can actually and it has been used since then as like as a way of talking about skin tone um but they use it for these emoji colors um which also has some additional problems because like obviously there's more that defines someone's skin tone than just that and the dark to light there's other attributes of that but the the fact that they did that and the fact that it's objective, they're still lumping everyone by default into this Simpsons like thing that codes as white. Yeah, the 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 white, but we don't have to say it white. 
Yeah. That we'll use, like the authors you mentioned, we will use the fact that, that everyone's mental default is going to be white to just not have to directly say it, but it's still completely obvious that that's what it is. Yeah. And there's like, think there's some evidence that like, like if you just think about and you watch how people use emoji, you'll see this, but then also there's like been some attempts to try to quantify it, but proportionally white people are way, way more likely to use the yellow emoji uh, and people of color are much more likely to use the ones that match their skin tone. Um, and that's something that comes out of the, a mix of laziness default thinking, where it's just like they don't even have to think about it. Isn't that great for them? They don't have to think about their skin tone. And then the thinking about it and then being awkward about it and or just uncomfortable and not wanting the discomfort of wearing, having that label that you're talking about, about being the white person interacting with this you know, thing instead just wanting to be like, no, 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 I'm happy just being default, like the default majority, you know. Yeah. So you, ra- you raise be- like an excellent question, which is, and I think you even said it directly, which is like, I can understand why it would feel extremely awkward to pick that light skin color and then do things and be worried that you were going to confuse someone into thinking that you were making some sort of white power statement or something like that. But I think that that says a lot about the history of race relations and where we're at. And I wonder if like, to your point, the fact that most people don't choose it, just most uh, people who most uh, European descended people don't choose it because they don't have to, it's, they, there's nothing's forcing them to do it. And it's, they know that, you know, they're not even thinking about it. They know that they're the default. They know that that's the right one for them. If you remove that and force everyone to actually do it, it's one of those things that similar to, uh, swapping out white American for European American or, and, and, you know, hyphenating, it's one of those ideas that whatever ones of these we might want to do as a society that would make it harder to not see the defaults and the privileges, which, it should make it more because one thing you hear a lot about lately is that uh, the problems in the United States are less to do perhaps with a, a tremendous amount of overtly violent racists, right? Your David Duke types. Yes. People who actively want to promote white supremacy and more to do with the fact that the entire history of our country, as I said, was built on this this notion of European superiority for justification of awful behaviors. And all of the systems were designed that way. So even if no one involved was racist anymore. The inertia of systems means that it will still be perpetuating all kinds of inequalities because they don't have to be looked at. And, and by, at least by many, many people, uh, who, who benefit from them aren't going to see it because if you're benefiting from something, it's very hard to see. So it, it, by making it more present, by making it more visible, what you're actually engaging in, if you force people to choose a skin tone and then, uh, light skinned people do have to choose that tone and then therefore do have to think about, oh, what is this fist going to mean? And do I know this person? And do they understand where I'm coming from? And are we cool enough? Or am I going to, you know, having those difficult moments where it is awkward and, and weird, does that in fact potentially uh, help to dismantle these systems? Because people then uh, who are benefiting are more aware of their benefit and therefore it's easier to say, hey, you know what? It's not just uh, racist cops doing awful things. It's not even just non-racist cops doing awful things. It's everywhere. It's everything. It underlines the entire system. You cannot expect a system built in a time of unfairness to become fair with no effort. You know, and this goes to the the discussion and like now people are talking much more actively about the idea that you can't just, it's not sufficient to just 
not actively be racist. No, you have to be anti-racist. It's like, no, no, I'm not. You have to be anti-racist. You have yeah. to actually fight against the momentum that is already there. Right, because it's moving. Just, it's still moving. It's still ongoing. It's still causing so much damage yeah. and violence and all these things. And so if, you're, if your opinion, if your stance is just neutral. Yeah, exactly. Right. What's that line? You can't be neutral on a moving train. Right. Then you're like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not making it worse. And so, or it's, it's kind of, it is a little bit of that moving train, like the trolley problem, whatever you're like, you're not pulling the lever to save the people. Did you kill them? Right. Kind right. of thing. Right. And you're like, no, 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 I'm not a killer. I just let the moving train hit these people. Right. Um, and so it's a little bit of that, like kind of moral conversation. But this thing about emoji is to me interesting, not because the most important thing in race relationships by in the list of 100 most important things has emoji on it. Um, but I think it's a nice little microcosm into this perspective that a lot of white people necessarily don't come across very often, which is being forced to think about how you're like the default and that what it would mean if you weren't. Yeah. Um, and that you're communicating your, to people, like people are seeing your skin and that means something to them, to the people of color especially, right? That to the people who are not what society is currently considering the default and that that discomfort that you get from having to have that thought of what do I choose and hopefully like, you know, maybe that giving you a tiny, tiny, tiny shred of insight or something. I don't know. Yeah, Seems like yeah. that's at least worth thinking yeah. about, even if there's like, because of course I immediately Google, I'm like, all right, please just, you know, some web resource that's like well-respected, <laughs> please tell me what I'm supposed to do. Right. Like, all right, am I supposed to use the yellow one or am I supposed to use the, the, the one that matches my skin tone? whatever it is you said. Please just like have a person of color tell me. And then like, <laughs> of course, maybe not surprisingly, right? It's like, they were like, you know what? Honestly, it doesn't really, there isn't really a right answer and it really doesn't really matter that much. So... Like, yeah, now you get to be uncomfortable. Like, welcome to <laughs> the for having one fleeting moment of what it's like to have, uh, you know, uh, th that thought process. Yeah, yeah. No, because you raise a really, really great point. You know, I think uh, that there is, you know, from all communities, you know, there is anti-blackness in every community. And I think it's it's important for us to realize, all of us, that to your point, it's not okay to be neutral. It's not just, I'm not racist. You have to be anti-racist. And more than that, you're going to have to give some things up. Like it's, it's not. Yes. The, the Especially whole comfort. <laughs> yeah. Comfort. Cause the whole notion of privilege, Which is like the least thing you can do. <laughs> right. Exactly. But it feels, you know, the whole notion of privilege that you're benefiting from is that it's something above other people. So, you know, if you want to be equal, if you want an equal society, you have to lift them up. And as someone wise once said, um, if all you've ever known is privilege, equality feels like oppression. Yes. Right. So that discomfort is equality. You're not actually losing anything. You're not less able to buy a home or, or walk down the street safely or, or, you know, uh, get a loan or whatever it is, you know, you're not actually losing any of your, any of the basic things we agree that everyone should have in the ideal world. What you're losing is the ability to be ignorant and blind. And yes. th that's the privilege we don't think we want people to have, right? If until everyone can have it. Right. You, 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 the, the end goal is that everyone gets to be, um, not colorblind cause that's just a way to continue to perpetuate a system, but, um, color aware without being color prejudiced. Right. It's the idea is that, yeah. 
you recognize the differences in people, but don't put a arbitrary, completely bullshit, historically offensive and currently offensive, you know, justifications for slavery and colonization values on people, but (laughs) at the most extreme, but you don't put anything on them, you know, and you interact with them as people, people with an understanding of that. Everyone has a different background. Everyone has a different culture. Everyone has a different, you know, that especially in the United States, we're a melting pot of all these different things. We're building a world together from all of these influences. So I think that forcing that, you know, you could question like, is the identity of whiteness useful for people anymore should it be used it would it be better to 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 let that go and identify as with everyone else by a place of origin would it be useful to make people choose emojis from an emoji picker everyone just just basically um in ways that are it's almost more useful if they're insignificant ways because you don't want to make everyone equal by having the police commit brutality against everyone right like we're seeing that now in these protests and it's horrific right that's yes. That's not the answer. The answer is to solve the problem of police like, brutality, right? Yeah, uh, like I've, absolutely it is. But like, maybe this is like a really dumb, obvious thing to say. But like having, like getting into a situation that is more like the police are committing brutality against everyone seems to, unfortunately, have been uh, not necessary. Maybe hopefully it wasn't necessary. But like you know, that is one way. Like you're saying, like taking on the discomfort, like having more. Uh, people across a broader stretch of of society taking on more of that discomfort when that discomfort does include things ranging from violence against you to, to having to just think about your your skin tone and all yeah. of this shit like that does seem to help right but if we can do if we can do more of the ones that are not people being violently beaten yes uh, maybe we can avoid those for everyone right so even though semantic arguments sometimes seem irrelevant in a world where so much non-semantic things is going on the way we talk about things and the way we think about things and the fact that in a book it's the default it is the um the air that the dust of racism is floating around right yeah it's it's it you if you starve that oxygen away it's harder for it to be so invisible for so long the invisibility is an enabler. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm and saying. The invisibility like is it an enabler. greases the wheels of things continuing the way they have. That's been exactly going. right. There's no way. So that, anything you're doing to create visit, like I mean, sitting in the 1960s, so it was that like 60 years ago now? It's like, crazy. They're talking about and like extremely relevantly today, obviously about intent, like creating discomfort is part of what brings change, and like you don't like comfort isn't a positive thing but if you're creating discomfort around these issues then that's how you get people thinking about it and that's how you get change it's not by letting people like fall back into either the previous comfort or a new comfort absolutely until things until justice arrives multiple civil rights leaders talked about this but i think the quote that you see a lot on this topic is is and i'm going to paraphrase it so bear with me please but where martin luther king jr is talking about how in his Birmingham, I think it's in the Birmingham letter from a Birmingham jail cell that his, uh, he's realizing that the greatest threat to the advancement might not actually be white citizens, councils and KKK members, but people who just prefer order over justice Mm -hmm. and who Mm -hmm. just want everything to happen in the, only if it can happen in a completely frictionless way. So there's no discomfort, there's no loss, there's no, you don't give anything up. Right. And, and, and that's never going to happen. And so it's a way of saying, yeah, we'll get to that tomorrow. Yeah. We got to get there 
in time, you know, and we'll take these tiny incremental steps. And then you look around and to your point, to what you said, it's 60 years later and it's a little bit, you know, same shit, different day, you know? Yeah. 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 So I think that embracing that, like it's a thought technology, that thing of that, like, not that obviously, you know, we all have the infinite stamina to be all uncomfortable all the time and constantly thinking about it, but some people don't have a choice. So, you know, like you do your discomfort quota, please. <laughs> yeah. Is my request. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously many of you are right now, but some yeah. people, you know, are, have come from a, I mean, and I think that's also why we see like poll numbers where like 20% of people like you like black lives black lives matter right. poll had like plus 10 percent support two weeks ago yeah. after years of slowly increasing yeah and then the last two weeks suddenly increased dramatically and to me i think a lot of that is like discomfort like you see people getting like you see all this violence and like that makes people uncomfortable that doesn't mean that violence is good necessarily i'm not saying anything original obviously here but <laughs> the, the like but that's i think I don't know. To me, that the, the and not a lot of people haven't gotten there yet. But like getting to the idea that feeling discomfort about it is part of the path to solution, um, and the I and seeking comfort. Uh, I'm obviously in the long term comfort. I mean, like obviously sometimes we all just need comfort. Sometimes there's you know some people are like, why am I listening to it? This is supposed to be fun fact. I'm, <laughs> I'm currently uncomfortable. This is not what I'm signed up for, right? And and everyone needs to pick their amount of comfort that they're you know, that they need for their mental health or whatever. But that's something that uh, that I think purposely, like, trying to fight against the idea that, like, can we just all go back to being comfortable? It's like, so that's a sign that, um, you know, I don't want to say you're part of the problem, but maybe you're part of the no, problem. No, you're, you are part of the problem. Your comfort. <laughs> like, you're, it, you're unintentionally part of the problem. Yeah. If you're like, yeah, can we just yeah. go back to being comfortable? Your comfort is not more important than other people's lives. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the important thing here that there, you know, that at the end of the day, this is about people's lives. Mm-hmm. This is, this is not microaggressions. We'll deal with microaggressions. Those yeah, also need too. to be, I mean, and that's, those, those also need to be dealt with. But right now we're talking about people's actual literal lives. Yeah. And, and like you say, it's all interconnected, right? The yep. micro, microaggressions are part of that grease that keeps things all. Yeah. It's all interconnected. And that's why something in, in my opinion, that's why something that may on the surface seem less important like semantic arguments people don't tend to be super a fan of those especially right now things are very semantic but it it can help yeah so that's my like that's my radar you know suggestion from you know a privileged person with no real context about our proof that this would help but (laughs) make people pick their emoji color yeah i i I think it's a great idea so then it must be (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're the best judge of ideas. Yes. Two people have have spoken of from two different yeah. groups, so therefore we're done here. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to close the show out with a joke this week. I'm just going to say that, in case it wasn't abundantly clear throughout the entire rest of the episode, and I'm going to speak for both myself and Alan here, we just want to say that Black Lives Matter. Donate, get involved, use whatever platform you have if you have one to speak out. This has to change do what you can and then a little bit more yeah yeah do what you can then do more then think about whether or not you could do more be uncomfortable yeah be uncomfortable yeah yeah and thanks for listening to an uncomfortable episode yeah because i know there's a lot of this stuff yeah yeah it's worth it yeah we love you we do (laughs) 